The following content contains adult subject matter, including sensitive material, and is intended for adult consumption only. It may not be suitable for all audiences. Therefore, discretion is advised. I think we need to rename Colberto's. Like, what are you guys if you're breaking down with me? Let's hear from you. If you use the email, then I'll hear from you. The email, once again, is breaking down at Spotify.com. I do have one email that I'm going to kick off the show with today. Um, and I'm going to read it aloud to everyone who, who's listening right now. Hey, Allie, a.k.a. The Rizzler. Never been called that. Did have to Google what Riz is. My sister actually brought up Riz to me a few weeks ago and told me that I had Riz, which if, if I'm understanding Riz correctly, it is kind of swag that's particular to magnetizing people with sexual romantic interests. It's swag for sex. Um, so I'm not surprised that I have Riz because I do get hot girls, but I'm not hot enough or rich enough to get them. So it must be Riz. It must be Riz. The X factor has to be Riz. Okay. I'm not trying to brag. I just, I'm admitting I don't, I shouldn't be getting who I get. So I'm standing on something and it's not money. Um, Hey Allie, AK the Rizzler. I started listening to your pods this year and I want to say thank you for giving us free and funny content. You're welcome. First, thank you. I've gotten doing the pod for two and a half years. You're fucking welcome for getting all of this free and funny content. Um, I admire your confidence and Riz when talking to certain guests. Okay, that's a backhanded compliment. When talking to certain guests, it's like, you're so pretty to me. Um, I've recently come out to myself and feel, congratulations, and I'm sorry, and feel intimidated talking to women. Okay, yeah, because you have a brain. Aside from the obvious experience, how did you become good at it? How can I be less in my head about it from V? Um, Look, I think being good at it is just is is just taking out the the scene insecurity. You can feel mixed and secure, full of doubt about it, but if you don't show that, then we're in business. I really think it's a fake it till you make it situation. I think most women engaging in exploring with other women have the nerves. They have the shits. No, I think they're nervous and I think they're insecure. And I think you can feel that. And I think just hiding that and putting it in a little box and locking it and throwing away the key is the secret. I think just not, I think acting like you're so unshakable. And I think it can be an act. And it have it be an act for as long as it takes until it's not an act. It worked for me and now I'm happy. Broken inside. Broken inside. You're just, you just keep doing it. Just keep talking, talk, talk, talk until until everyone who hates you goes away and you're left with one person who wants to listen to you. That's it. You have to practice like anything else. It's a muscle. You have to build it. Um, if there's ever been an episode to convince you not to get married, this is it. I fell in love with James Sexton. I did fall in love with a man um, on TikTok. I, he is the most telegenic, like, you just can't look away. He re, He's just, he, you can listen to him for hours. And by you, I mean me. And I really wanted him on the show. And we got him on the show. I, I just love hearing from him. He's a divorce attorney. And I just, I see him everywhere. I see him all over the internet. And he's the internet's daddy. Um, and I love sitting down with him and talking about marriage and relationships and what he sees couples doing that works. And I think you're going to enjoy it. I know you're going to enjoy it. I enjoyed it. Do I have something for Hummus Hour? I will. I will give you something for Hummus Hour. 
I did start Fellow Travelers. I did. That is a gay show. Gay things happen in that show. There's nothing else I need to say. It's a clandestine, there's clandestine gay moments. I read Milk Fed by Melissa Broder. I'm throwing book, TV, movie, cultural references for you for free. You're welcome. Milk Fed is the story of a queer, disordered eating, stand-up comic, Jewish, and there's a romance that ensues. And I just have an abundance of queer content for you guys. So you're welcome. Happy holidays. Um, I really loved the episode with James, though. So dig in. Get into it. I'm so glad that you're you're joining us. I Yay. I see you all over TikTok. Everywhere. I, you know what's funny? I don't even have TikTok. And so I keep getting told I'm all over TikTok. And I'm like, I, I have no idea because I don't have TikTok. You're everywhere on TikTok. Apparently I am. And but I'm in a very diverse number of spaces because I've got like weird red pill manosphere people saying to me, like, I saw you on TikTok talking about how marriage is the worst thing in the whole world. And I was like, okay, I, I don't know that I said that. And then I saw other people being like, oh my God, I saw you talking. And it was like so romantic. And then someone else was like, oh, I saw you talking about your dog on the Lex Friedman show. And you were talking about how much loving a dog and impermanence. And I was like, dude, does TikTok just like take out of context pieces and just sell them to like whatever demographic? You know, like they have one size fits all right. of my ideology. Oh, so. wow. Okay. So I, that, uh, let's get into it then. I mean, I'm, and yeah. I'm, I'm not texting. I'm pulling up all of the questions I have for you. If you see me That's look okay. at my phone, I but yeah. I, mean, I called off my engagement. So then I couldn't stop seeing you on my algorithm. Like TikTok, wow. TikTok knew I was, I chose not to get married. Yeah. And then they were like, you got to watch James Sexton clips. It's, it's really nice that TikTok has decided that I'm the person that people who've called off a wedding <laughs> needs to need to spend time with. I mean, it's like I'm like the grim reaper of marriage, you know. Like I get to, I'm the like, did it not work out? Here's this middle aged white dude, you know, who just come right on. It's I almost great. think I started seeing your clips when when my phone started knowing that I had cold feet. Like I started seeing you recount statistically. Yes how improbable it would be for, for oh me to God. make magic uh, marriage work. Ali, I'm a, like a voice in your head before we even met. I you know. know. I'm the one going like, you sure 56% of these end in divorce. You really, okay, no, I mean, listen, you do you, Ali, you do you. It's not up for me to say it, but I'm just going to say statistically, it's way more likely than a car crash. Just saying, you know, so. It's terrible. Yeah. And what got me when you, when you break down the statistics, because I, by the way, I've been quoting 51% forever, but now it's 56%, I guess. But yeah. was when then you break down the 44% that do stay together. That is what really upset me because we know well, they're that, not happy. That to me is the biggest thing, actually. That, 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 you know, I don't gauge the success of marriage, of any particular marriage, as like, oh, you did it. 
Like you managed to stay together even though you're fucking miserable. Like that's not a win as far as I'm concerned. Like it's not, well, this isn't meant to be like an ultra marathon, you know, like, oh, you did the hundred mile race. You pissed yourself. Your feet are broken. You're not gonna be able to walk for a month. You're miserable. Like, okay, that was dumb. Like that was a dumb thing to do. Like if you get off on suffering, okay, maybe, but like, so I don't, I've always gauged the success of marriage is like, has this marriage made your life better? Like, do you feel satisfied with this marriage? And do you feel like, man, like this helped me figure out who I am and this helped me be the best version of myself. And if you find that from it, that's huge. But like to me, in in my own sphere of people I've met in my personal life, forget professionally because it's a self-selecting sample. In personal life, like I don't know that many people that would say that. I know a lot of people that are like, yeah, you know, like you get married, that's what you do. Or like, yeah, I don't regret getting married. But I don't know a lot of people that 10, 20 years into a marriage are like, oh, my God, like my of all the decisions I've made, you know, like if you ask me, do you regret getting a dog? I'd be like, dude, getting a dog was like one of the best decisions I've made in my whole life. You know, like there's certain decisions you go, that was the best decision I ever made. I don't know a lot of people that are like, oh, marriage was like the best decision I made. I can't think of anyone that says that. I can't think of. I can't think of any married couple in my personal yeah. life, and I'm not talking about couples that, I mean, couples that are together that are included yeah. in that, that model yeah. for me something where I think, my God, I want that. No, and here's what I'll tell you. I know two people that fit that category. They're married to each other. Yeah. So it's not even like two couples. It's two fucking people. Right. And, and I have to tell you, it is humbling to behold. Wow. Like when you're around it, it makes you uncomfortable. Like it, it's, it's kind of like how I feel. I live in Chelsea. I live in West Chelsea, and I live in a building that has like predominantly gay men in the building. And they're so good looking, most of them. Like Chelsea gays is its own sort of category. But there's like, they're so good looking, they look photoshopped. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. So like, I'm on the elevator and I'm just uncomfortable. Right. Because I'm just, I just stand there and I'm like, wah, wah. like, I just feel like I look awful yeah. because they just look so good. Right. right. And it's kind of like that feeling. Like I, I, I hang out with this couple. That's the only couple I know that fits that category of just like blissfully, happily married, like so stoked that they're married, even though they've been married like 27 years. And it makes you literally, it's, there's a visceral response, almost like an allergy of like, oh my God, like what the, how did you guys find this? And like, how do you, like, it's amazing. It's like a, like a, like four leaf clover. Like you just stumbled on this thing and it's incredible. And you know, I, I, I just, it's so overwhelmingly the opposite. It's either people getting divorced or people just like, yeah, you know what? I'm miserable, but I'm not giving this person half my shit or yeah, I'm miserable, but I don't want this person sleeping with other people. Right. You know, and it's, which is the weirdest thing ever. Like the, like, oh, I, I, I'm going to stay married to them. I hate them. They hate me, but I don't want them sleeping with anybody else. Like, okay. I don't even know what that, like, that's, I don't even know what the logic of that is. I, I, that happy couple that, you know, what are yeah. the ingredients that you see in that dynamic? What's at play there that other couples are not, that don't have? I mean, I think there are some things that are tangible. Yeah. And then there are some things that are just like supernatural. Like there's just some things that it's just like, it's just magic. Like it, the, some of it is just a sprinkle of like, they just are crazy about each other. Like they just are objectively crazy about each other. And that somehow it hasn't worn off. Like, so that part I think is just magic, right? Yeah. But the other piece is, I don't know, man, like it's their heterosexual couple. He is very, I, he still talks about her like it was a girl he just met who he's really trying to impress. 
Like he talks about her like he's talking about a girlfriend who he's like trying to close the deal with. Like he 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 never calls her. Her name is Amy, but he never calls her that. He says, "My beautiful bride." He goes, "Well, you know, my beautiful bride was saying to me the other day." And I every time he says it, and she refers to him as her boyfriend. So like she'll say like, "Oh, my boyfriend got back from a business trip last week," and you're like, "You've been married 27 years. You got two kids. Like, and you still talk about each other." Like you're just hungry for each other and crazy about each other. And and I don't know. I mean, they and their love went through like she had breast cancer and went through like chemo. And like, I mean, I don't know. Like they just are they're crazy about it. Like they're deeply committed to each other's happiness. They met when they were, I think, 19 and 20. You know, I actually what's funny is I was friends with her. Yeah. And they met and started dating. And she said to me, I met this guy and she's telling me about him. And he had dated one of her friends because he was like something of a Casanova. And she said, uh, you know, I don't know. What do you think? And I said, yeah, this guy sounds terrible. Don't date him. Mm. Like, I don't think you should date. Him. So uh, to this day, they'll never let me live down that I like tried to convince her not to date this guy. Who she's now been married to for 27 years. And wow. And they're monogamous. I don't know. They're monogamous. Yeah, they're in a very traditional very traditional gender role type of relationship. Very, it's very traditional. She's a stay at home. She was a stay at home mom and he's a worker and he's, you know, they're very traditional. And, and so I, but, but they are legitimately happy. Like I can tell you they are legitimately happy. This is not a facade. This is not performative. There's so much performative bullshit these days. I Ugh, mean, but the everybody, posting and I love it personally because I get all the like, I, you know, I look at people's social media, they come in for a consult and then I look at their social media when they've scheduled the consult. And I'm like, you know, it's all like hashtag blessed, you know, hashtag mom life. And then I'm, they come in for the consult and tell me that, yeah, I've been cheating on him for this period of time. Or yeah, I, I you know, I've driven us into $200,000 worth of debt and have a Coke habit. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, wow, on Instagram, you guys are fucking thrilled. Like you guys are doing great. Yes. You know, and they're doing great until they're completely off the rails, you know. So I this is a legitimately happy relationship. I don't know what the magic is. I mean, I think it's sad because sometimes like the truest wisdom is the simplest wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I like my own my own personal experience with psychedelics, for example, right? Like I I I've I've been a fan of psychedelics for a long time and, and I'm a fan of psilocybin and things like that. And not that I'm endorsing that to the audience, but um, but what I'll tell you is what's funny to me about things like psychedelics is you know, you 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 eat mushrooms or whatever, and you have this intense experience that boils down to some ridiculously simple truism. You know, like mm -hmm. like you finish and you're like while you're on them, you're like, you know what? Like love is what we're all after. Like, that's it. Love is what we're all after. And it feels like, you know, and meanwhile, it's like just the simplest little truism, you, you know, and it's, but it's legit true, you know, and it just feels very profound in that moment. Cause you're like experiencing it, you know, in this very visceral way. I think their relationship is like that. Like, what is it? They just like each other. They're just nice to each other. They just think about each other first. They, they're, they're always cheering for each other. And that sounds so simple. And yet that's kind of everything. Like if I describe that to you or you describe that to me and said, do you want someone who's cheering for you and always tries to see the best in you? And even when you make a mistake, they see it. They're not afraid to call you out on it. But they do it in a way that's like, hey, I love you and you're better than this. Come on. You're better than this. I know it. Like, 
you just hear that and you go, that's so simple. And yet, oh, like, that's so true. That's exactly what I want. Right. You know? And that's exactly what I want to be for somebody. Yeah. Ugh. But it's so rare. When I think when, when you talk about the, this couple, my mind immediately go, and maybe this is because I think like a man in some ways, my mind immediately goes to, well, they just must have a lot of sex. They must just be on the same page with They sex. do have a lot of sex, apparently. They have a lot of sex, apparently. I said to him, because I'm astounded by these people. I have to tell you, like, it's the opposite of what I do all day. Yeah. It's like, all I do all day is, like, I was on trial for eight hours today in Queens on a domestic violence case. So, oh. like, I literally spent the entire day cross-examining a perpetrator of domestic violence. This is like... So my life experience is so different. Like to go have dinner with two people who genuinely love each other is literally the opposite of my, it would be like you as a comedian being like, oh yeah, all day I was like a mortician. Yeah. And then at night I'm going to go to the ha ha house. Like it, it's like, okay, we'll talk about like, how do you not get whiplash in that situation? Totally. So I, I have to tell you, like, I, you know, I, I find like their whole vibe is just so, it's so the opposite of what I get to experience every day with people. And it's so cool to be around it. Mm -hmm. And they're very traditional. Like they're very kind of traditional. And they have, but apparently they have lots of sex. Because I said to him once, I was like, dude, what is it? How do you, is this a facade? Like you can tell, I'm your guy friend. I was out at a bar with him. I'm like, dude, you, we're having drinks. You can tell me the truth. If you're banging other women, like just tell me, like please. Because I'm looking at you guys going, all right, that's where the bar is set. Like, yeah. that's what we should aspire to. And if this is bullshit, man, just tell me. Like, just tell me it's bullshit. It's okay. I know there's no Santa Claus. It's okay. You can tell me. I'm, by the way, if I broke that to you, Ali, I'm sorry. There is no Santa Claus. I'm sure. But I, I know there's no Santa Claus. I, I know. I didn't, I didn't want to be, you know, rude about it. And I have to tell you, when I said it to him, he was like, no, man. He's like, when we got married, I just said to her, listen, um, all I really want in this relationship is someone who loves and supports me, matching bra and panties and lots of sex. And I said, matching bra and panties. He said, yeah, I feel like they look like a superhero otherwise. So he And I said, okay, okay. And he said, yeah, so that's all I told her. That's all I want in marriage. He said, I'll, I'll pay the bills. I'll take care of you. I'll be a good father if we have kids. I'll, I'll support you. I'll love you. I'll be loyal. I'll be fidel. But matching bra and panties and, you know, lots of sex. I and knew I like, that's what okay. it was about. I knew it. That's what it's about. Yeah. I feel like. Sex is glue. Sex is glue. I'm convinced of that. Sex is the glue. I, I think that there is a tremendous, all of the people that I talk to who end up in my office, there was some disconnection physically. You know, their sex life changed in some ways. And I talk about this in, in my first book. I talk a lot about how I think with the best of intentions, people really fuck up monogamy. They really fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Because I think, I think naturally, you start dating somebody mm -hmm. and you just fucking throw everything at it in bed. You're like, well, watch this. Let me try this. Here we go. What do you think of this? You know, you're like, throw just so you do all the stuff, all the stuff that all your former partners you did or that someone did to you that was like, okay, that's cool. Like you just throw all the shit. Cause you're like, I don't know what they like. Let me just throw it all. Let me throw all the tricks at them. And then you figure out what they like and what they don't, right? Like by their response, or if you have a good communication, they actually say this to you. But most of the time it's by their response. Mm -hmm. And then understandably, you play the fucking hits, right? Like you play the hits. Like I don't go see Bruce Springsteen because I want to hear the ghost of Tom Joad. Like I want to hear Born to Run. I want to hear Thunder Road. Like, so if, if, if I'm having sex with somebody on a regular basis 
and I know they like A, B, and C, yeah. then I'm going to give them A, B, and C. Like, I, I'm here to please, man. And I, I hope if they know that I like, you know, EFG, they're going to throw the EFGs at me. And if they know I kind of didn't like it when they tried F, okay, cool. Then don't do that again, you know? Yeah. And then I think what happens is naturally, even by trying to please the other person and be somewhat like efficient and loving, you just end up in a routine and monotony. And then it, you get to this weird place where it's like, all of a sudden, if you did something different, it's like, well, what was that? Why'd you do that? Like, that's weird. Didn't we have to talk about that? Like, why we never did that before? And it turns into a thing. Yeah. So I think that's how people unintentionally get into this rut. And I, I had a buddy who once said to me years ago, and I came to understand what he meant in life. He said, you know how I know when I'm in a relationship? And I said, no. And he said, when I'm in the middle of having sex, and I find myself thinking, man, one of these days I got to get laid. Oh, God. And I thought, you know what? I kind of understand because there's this feeling of like the, the routine of sex as opposed to like the fresh, exciting thing of sex. And I, most of the successful relationships I know, and I don't know many, sex is still a vital component where they really try to please each other. Yeah. You know? So- I mean, so is monogamy the issue more than marriage or is it just because you see these couples that are together forever and then they get married and then a few months later it's it's off, but they've been together for a decade. You know, I don't know. I have to tell you, I don't know because my personal and professional experience in this is very different. So personally, I have always, I've never been someone who could handle a non-monogamous, even an ethically non-monogamous relationship. Um, I just don't, not that I have any jealousy. I'm not at all a jealous person. I just personally don't enjoy having multiple partners. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person that's like, I want to know one person, get to know it real well, do a really good job and really just enjoy each other and get to know each other deeply. Like I just enjoy that more. And also from an epidemiological standpoint, like, I don't know, I just think running around with too many people becomes weirdly dangerous. But I have to say, I have a lot of friends, particularly gay male friends, mm-hmm who have a very open communication in their relationship about how they approach monogamy and how all physical intimacy is not created equal. And a lot of them have very successful relationships at that, but it is almost only gay men that I know who know that. I don't know a lot of lesbian couples, so it may be something that's present in lesbian relationships. No, we do not do that. We fuck it up. We can't do it the way gay men do. Gay men, I got to tell you, I got a lot of gay male friends that do the like, listen, blowjob's okay, um, sex with some, not okay. Or you can do this, but you have to let me know you're doing it in advance. Or I have to be there, whether I'm participating or not. And like, they have some open communication about this and it seems to really work and prevent like bed death, prevent like any kind of, okay, now we're just like roommates, you know? Right. And, and that seems to work for, again, it's, I don't know any heterosexual couples that, that have pulled that off. I know a number of gay male friends, couples who have pulled that off. Some of whom are in long-term marriages now, long-term relationships that have now been marriages since marriage equality passed. Yeah. So I don't know. I think some of that, not to overly gender things, but it some of that may just be men, like that men sort of saying to men, like, dude, like it's just sex. What? Like it's just come on, like it's just sex. It's not a thing, you know. And and I kind of think that might be something men traditionally have been better at. Now, whether that's a function of biology or whether that's a function of cultural conditioning, that men 
have sort of been allowed to like, yeah, just run around and have lots of sex and you're a Casanova and not, there's no pejorative term attached to that. You know, no man's not a slut, a man, like fuck boy is the closest thing we have to a male slut. And it's not even really an insult. You know, it's kind of an insult, but kind of not, you know? So I think some of that might be a function of that, but I, I really don't know why the bottom line is no one who's rational and honest could possibly claim that marriage is anything other than a reckless activity, potentially a negligent activity. No, no one rational could claim otherwise. So, uh, so do you think then it's just totally irresponsible to get married? People should not get married? I don't think people shouldn't get married. I think that people, just like I don't think people shouldn't skydive. I have no desire to skydive. It seems like the thrill of it is not worth the potential risk. I feel the same way about marriage. And that is, listen, I think there's a thrill to it. I think there are potentially wonderful benefits to it. But there's a tremendous amount of risk to it. And whether you choose to do it or not is a personal choice, just like skydiving. But don't fucking pretend that this is a responsible thing to do. And don't pretend that this is not a dangerous thing to do. Like if I was going to go skydiving, I'd make sure I had a will before I did it. And I'd make sure I like kind of had my affairs in order before I did it. And the same thing with marriage. Like I would not just blissfully la 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 act like this is not a dangerous thing I'm doing. Mm. Like I, I have to say this, the thing I don't understand is if I was dating a woman for five years and and we were happy and I said to a friend, hey, we're getting married. Why they wouldn't be able to go, why? Why would you do that? You're happy. Why would you get married? But in fact, the opposite is true. If I said I'm getting married, it'd be like, well, of course you are. Thank God you're making an honest woman of her. And if I said, you know, I've been with this woman for five years. We're so happy. We're having such fun. We, we, you know, we're never going to get married. It would be, oh, Jimmy's got intimacy issues. You know, I'm never going to get married. Like, what's that about? Why? Like, why? It is, it is an inherently negligent activity. It's a dangerous activity. It is more likely than not that it will fail. And somehow, if you don't do it, there's something wrong with you. Right. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. So if you're putting your will together before you skydive, what are the what is the due diligence one should be doing before they get married? Because you know everyone's still getting married. Prenup. Prenup, prenup, prenup. So pre- prenup. So- you get a prenup, get married as many times as you want. So the the idea of having a pre- only having a prenup if you're some rich guy who's, you know, marrying a young that's bullshit. Everyone should have a prenup. No, that's bullshit. Everyone should have a prenup. Because first of all, prenups are definitely not just for wealthy people. And actually, wealthy people, if you got a ton of money. You can afford to get divorced a bunch of times. Who cares? Like, take half. It's all right. You'd be fine. I still got plenty. You know, it's it's actually the people that have a scarcity of resources that, that really need prenups because those are the people that it's like, listen, this is all I have. You know, I have a client who's worth $7 billion. Yeah. That guy, he actually said to me with a straight face recently, well, I'm not going to quibble with over like $5 million. I was like, really? Because I would quibble with almost anyone over $5 million. That's a lot of money to quibble over. Like, that's a lot. But to him, yeah, $5 million. Like, I'm not going to quibble over that. Like, ugh, that's to me like $10. Like, oh, I'm not going to fight over you over that. So 
like to suggest that like people who have scarcity of resources, like if you got $7 billion, you're right. You can part with a hundred million dollars. You never feel it. But if you have $250,000 to your name Mm -hmm. and you give away $125,000, like you gave away, that's tremendous cut in terms of what you have available to you to live your life. Yeah. You know, so I, I think everyone should have prenups irrespective of how much they have at the time they're getting married. But it's also partly, it's not just the financial piece. It's also the experiential piece of it. Like going through a divorce is emotionally and from a time perspective, very difficult and frustrating. Like if I'm at a grocery store, if I'm at the Whole Foods and someone has a coupon for 50 cents and I got to wait because they got to call over the manager for the 50 cent coupon. Listen, you have the right to your 50 cent coupon. And I am in no way going to take that from you, but I will give you $5 right now to get the fuck out of my way. And we're both ahead. We're both ahead. Cause you got your 50 cents plus another $4 and 50 cents. Right. And I get to move on with my day. Cause my time is worth more than waiting here while you get your 50 cent coupon. So it's a win win prenups, same kind of thing. Like, listen, even if you don't have that much to not have to go through the emotional and time and uncertainty of a divorce and talking to lawyers and having to make appointments and go over things and negotiate, like it's just wrapped up in advance. Yeah. So every marriage ends. Every single marriage ends. It ends in death or divorce, but it ends. So why wouldn't you say, hey, look, if I die, here's where the bank accounts are. Here's where the keys are to the to the safe deposit box. Um, here's who I want my record collection to go to. You know, give my bad religion T-shirt to my son. I was very specific about those kinds of instructions. That's the important stuff. And you know, but but if we divorce, you know, what are you going to need, right? Like, what do you want to keep? Well, I want I want to keep that couch because that was my dad's. Of course, that makes sense. You should have that. Well, you know, I moved into your apartment. So I'd move out because that's your place. It was your place before we got together. But, you know, I'd need a security deposit. I need a couple months rent. Okay, that's reasonable, right? Let's, you know, let's have that conversation. Like you like, there's 8 billion people in the world and the two of you picked each other. You can't have a conversation about what you might need if this relationship ends in something other than death. Really? You can't have that conversation because if you can't have that conversation, I don't think you should get married, period. Right. I'm trying to, when I'm hearing you now, I'm trying to imagine what you were thinking on your wedding day. Me? Yeah. Well, on my actual wedding day, I was 22. <laughs> okay. I was 22. So I wasn't thinking anything except like, wow, she has great boobs. That was all I was thinking. <laughs> that was all I was thinking. And and that was true. Yeah. Um, and, and she's the coolest ex-wife. I have a great ex-wife. Um, mother of my two kids. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I just, you know, there's a Joseph Brodsky poem I'm very fond of that I quote often. And I put it in my book. Um, it's a poem called The Song. And there's a line in it. He wrote it when his wife died. And there's a line in it where he says, I I wish I knew no astronomy when stars appear. And I feel that way as a divorce lawyer. Like, I wish I I could see love with just this sort of beautiful blindness that most people have when they fall in love. Like Like, when my sons were teenagers and they sort of fell in love for the first time, I remember looking at that and going like, oh, you have no idea. You have no idea how the story ends. And I love that. Like, cause it's so great. Like it's so, it's like the, you know, I'm a dog person. So I bring up dogs a lot, but like the first dog I ever had was great. Cause I had no idea what it was going to feel like when it died. Oh, and every dog I've had James. since every dog I've had since 
I there is some piece of me that goes, oh, you're, I love you so much, and you're gonna break my heart. You're gonna oh. break my heart. I have a 13 year old dog now. I got him when he was five, five months old. Yeah, five months old, and he's 13 now. He's got a gray face. He used to have all brown face. Now he's got a gray face. And he sits next to me sometimes with his terrible breath. And he just like looks at me, loves me more than anything in the world's ever loved me. And I look at him and I think, oh, you're going to fucking kill me. Mm. You're going to kill me. Like, cause I'm going to lose you. Like in five years, you're not going to be here. Mm. Like in it, maybe in two years, you might not be here. And I, I wish I didn't know that. I wish I could just barrel through the joy of his presence and not think about the impermanence of it. And yet, knowing viscerally that impermanence also makes me like, holy shit, he's here, he's alive. Like, remember that, like hold on to that because man, it ain't going to be forever, you know? So I think on a wedding, like when I go to weddings, like I love going to weddings. Like, I don't get invited to many of them, but I, I like them because I'm cheering for these people, man. I, God, I hope it works out. Like, I hope it works out. And even if it doesn't, like, man, I hope they just ride it as long as they can. Like, I don't know, you know, your breakup, like, listen, you know, you call off an engagement, you know, but man, like, there was some time where you were like, fuck it. I want to marry this one, you know, like, and I, if you can't, like, I'll take that. Like, I want that. Like, and if I, if I have to feel the pain in order to have that, like, if that's a necessary thing, then like, fuck it. I'll take it, man. I want that. I, cause I want the, I want the intense love. I want the passion. I want the, I want that whole thing. And so if the pain's part of it, give me the pain, you know? So this awareness doesn't keep you from falling in love. No, isn't no, that, not isn't at that all. beautiful? I love love. I love love. No, I think it's the whole thing. It's the only thing. And that's not the psilocybin talking. I know I love love. <laughs> I think love is great. I think that, I think it's the only thing, you know? I just think, I just personally think we should look at love like chapters in a long book. Like I have been so blessed. I've been in love a number of times in my life. And mm-hmm. every one of those loves was something beautiful and unique. And I've told my sons, they were, they're 27 and 24 now. They were five and seven when their mom and I divorced. And I told them from the time they were five and seven until the present day, I've told them the same thing over and over. Your mother was one of the great loves of my life. She made me a better man, a better person. I'm so lucky that she gave me her love. And I'm so blessed that I had her in my life. And we have you, I have my kids because of her. And I'm just so grateful. Like, I'm nothing but grateful for everything that happened. And she's remarried for 12 years and blissfully happy. And to a guy who, I have to tell you, as someone who loves her, I look at this guy and I go, oh, yeah. Like, he's great for her. Like, he's he's a lot of the things she liked about me. He's funny. He's engaging. He's smart. But a lot of the things that I lack that she really needed in a partner, he's patient. He's a good listener. He listens more than he talks. Um, and, and he's just a good dude for her. And when you love someone in a real way, like you go, oh yeah, okay, cool, good, good. You know, but it doesn't invalidate the love we had and the experience we had. And I don't know. I love that. I love love. Like, I think that what the fuck's the point otherwise? I mean, I always talk about how, you know, 56% of marriages end in divorce, but 
you know, 83% of people who get divorced are remarried within five years of their divorce. 83%. So that's 83% of people just got their legs chopped off. And, and, and they're like, nope, let's do it again. Let's do it again. So that tells you everything you need to know about like our desire for a pair bond, our desire for another person, that kind of connection with another person. Well, why do you go to marriage though? Why, why not then just date forever and be committed? And why are we involving the government? Oh my God. Listen, Allie, preach. I'm on. I agree. You know, let I mean, I, I don't know why anybody would say, oh yeah, we got, let's get the government involved in this. Like, have you been to the DMV? Right. Like, is there anything in life that you go, you know what? It'd be better. Let's get the government involved. Let's make paperwork. Like, that's crazy. Aziz Ansari has a great stand up thing about, you know, like, who was the first person to suggest marriage? Because they it must sound insane if you don't know what marriage is. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Where it's like, let's do this forever. You know, I don't want you to be with anybody and I want the government involved. Like, it's like, whoa, what? Where'd that come from, you know? I know. Well, it kind of does feel like that at the start of a relationship when you're so excited about someone and you just want a mechanism to keep them to yourself. But I mean, it does but feel kind of infantile. That, you just hit that, which is, I, I not to get too Buddhist about it, but it's clinging. Yeah, it is. It's the feeling of, this is so good. This is so good. Okay, but I don't want it to end. It can't end. I don't want it to end. So what can I do to force it to stay exactly the way that it is? And I don't want it to change. Okay. That's not going to happen. There's nothing you can do that will. So let it wash over you. Like be in it. Don't spend time where you could be loving this person. Thinking about how can I hold on and never lose them? Love them. Be with. It's the same reason why I stopped going to fucking concerts. Like I used to go to, I'm quite a bit older than you. I used to go I can be that weird old guy who says, like, I saw Nine Inch Nails open for Peter Murphy at the Ritz. Uh You know, I saw Bad Religion. Like, I saw Green Day open for Bad Religion. Like, I saw, like, I saw, I went to some shows back when, like, I saw Rage Against the Machine with an audience of 20 other people during CMJ Music Festival. So, like, I used to go to concerts when it was like, oh, my God, there's, like, nobody here. And nobody had a fucking smartphone. And I went to a concert about eight or nine years ago. It was the first time I'd gone to one in a long time. I went to see the Gaslight Anthem and uh, My Chemical Romance. I took my sons because they wanted to go. And not one person was there. Everybody was like this with their phone, like recording what was going on. So I guess they could post it on their social media or whatever. And I thought to myself, Jesus Christ, just be here. Like, just be here. They're here. They're right here. They're on the stage in front of you and blowing the doors off of this place. And you're not even here. You're just in your phone thinking about like, okay, how can I record this and then post it? And like, it's the same thing with love. Like what, don't worry so much about like, how do I lock it in and make sure nobody did everything? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You can't do it. It really does feel like it comes from a scarcity. Like the intention is like this, this scarce place, which now that I'm, that sounds really bad. Actually, it's not like I love you so much this. It's like, I'm so afraid. So this. That feels like which a is, by the way, so point. human, but so human. Like it, I don't think we should view it critically. Yeah. I think we should view it as our own frailty as human beings. Like I love you so much, I never want to lose you. Yeah, you know, but but that's okay. Like that's right. like, that's an expression of how much you love me. Like oh. I love you so much, I never want to lose you. I love you so much, I never want to lose you too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I promise. I promise. I'm gonna die. I promise. Like, but man, until then, 
Like, let's love the shit out of each other. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, let's love it. And you know what? Maybe you'll break my heart. Like, maybe you'll break my heart. And if you break my heart, it'll be worth it. Because one day as a lion, man, you know, like, like one day of really being in love to me, like, I don't know if you've ever had your heart broken. Mm -hmm. Like, I've had my heart broken. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I don't regret it. A, some beautiful, creative, wonderful things come out of heartbreak. Like so many lessons of who you are and so much self-exploration and self-reinvention comes out of heartbreak. But also, like, I won't regret it. Like if the, if the you know, like I don't want to tiptoe through life and arrive safely at death. Like I don't want to die without any scars. Yeah. Like I want to live big and get hurt and like pick myself up and move on and see what the next thing might be, you know? And like, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But it's very human. I understand it's very human to be afraid and to say, I wish I could make this moment and this feeling last forever. Yeah. You know? But you can't, you can't. How much of technology and access in our phones do you see play into the relationships? I mean, I think it's, you know, there's a chapter in my book called, if we were going to invent an infidelity generating machine, it would be called Facebook. And that's because the book came out in 2019. But if I wrote it today, it would be called, if we were going to invent an infidelity generating machine, it'd be called Instagram. Like, I think we are presented with a tremendous amount of compelling visual content, much of which now isn't even real. You know, it's an airbrushed, curated version. I mean, it was already bad enough that it was a curated version of people. Like Facebook, it was a curated version. Like no one was posting bad pictures of themselves. They're posting the best pictures. Right. And no one was posting the bad pictures from vacation. They were posting the good pictures. And no one was looking at Facebook while they were having a wonderful time. <laughs> like they looked at it on the toilet or while they're bored. Of course. So you're living your gag reel. And watching everyone else's greatest hits. But now it's even worse than that. Because now it's not even fucking real. Now I'm looking at your best picture that you've now completely tweaked and tuned and changed so that you look even better than you do in real life. And people are going into plastic surgeons and saying, make me look like this. And they're like, right, I can't. That's a filter. I can't make you look like a filter. You know, so yeah, I mean, comparison's the thief of joy. It always has been. It always will be. People are convinced that their relationship sucks. Why? Because look at all these other relationships that are so happy. That's not real. That relationship's not actually that happy. Yeah. You know, but people are comparing themselves to it. So it's much, much worse. And add to it that it gives you a tremendous amount of access and communication with people that you have no fucking business talking to. You know, there, there was, look, there was a time where, how many people did you interact? How many potential sexual or romantic partners did you really interact with on a daily basis? Maybe a couple of people at work, somebody on the subway, you know, you run into people, whatever. Wasn't big. Now you're constantly, constantly looking at tons of other people. They're communicating with you. You know, you're again, you're younger than me, but like, you know, Stevie Wonder had a song called Part-Time Lover, mm -hmm. you know, which was about like a, somebody who's having an affair. And if you listen to it now, it's like quaint. Because it was like, call up, ring once, hang up the phone to let me know you made it home. And it was like this, what's our code to let you know that you got home safely? Now you're sitting on the couch three feet from your romantic partner engaging in, a, a, you know, an emotional affair or, or texting someone naked pictures or looking at naked pictures someone sent you. And your spouse has no idea. 
because they're like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm looking up that restaurant about this weekend if we're going to go to or oh, no, I'm just looking at, you know, I'm just looking at Instagram. I'm looking at TikTok. I'm watching videos of a hydraulic press, you know, crushing an iPhone, like whatever garbage <laughs> we normally do. By the way, these softwares have features to facilitate infidelity. You have vanish mode. You have secret messaging. It's good for these companies yeah. to fuck around. It's good for my business model. I'll say that. I mean, listen, we're booming. I mean, business is booming. I, but yeah, I mean, it, <sighs> divorce is, listen, it is easier than ever to cheat. It's easier than ever to find a romantic partner outside of your relationship. It's easier than ever to communicate with that person without the other person finding out that you did it. Yeah. It's just easier than ever. Yeah. Period. All of it. All of it. And, 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 and everybody can go, oh, no, you know, I have this because I like to be able to, you know, look at the reviews of restaurants I'm going to. Bull fucking shit. It's not true. You, 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 we love the attention. We love being able to have our attention scattered among these other things. When in fact, like it's much easier when you're not interact. Like, listen, if there's only four things in my cupboard to eat, there's a lot less of a chance of me like eating something that's unhealthy for me. But if I've got, you know, Grubhub on my phone and I can literally have anything I want to eat delivered. And now I can have like a Magnolia cupcake and sushi, and they'll stop at the liquor store and bring me a bottle. Like, okay, but then this is just, how do you, what, it's not even my fault that I'm going to get fat anymore. It's not even my fault anymore because you've made it too easy for me to make wildly irresponsible choices. Because every one of the seven deadly sins, not to get biblical, but every one of the seven deadly sins is just a natural human inclination turned into pathology. It's all that it gluttony. We want to eat. Of course, we need to eat. We die if we don't eat. You turn the volume up too much on it. Now you got gluttony, you know, sex, hey, natural, normal, perfectly normal to have a sex drive and want to see, turn up the dial too far, lust, you know, right. all of these things, sloth, it's perfectly fine to take a rest, want to sit down, but to do it to the point where you just total inertia, sloth, you know, all the seven deadly sins are just natural human inclinations where the volume got turned way up on it. And all we're doing with these technologies is just turning that dial and making it so easy to turn it all the time. And then we wonder why we're unhappy. Right. And, you know, I think it was HR, uh, HL Mencken who said, we are primitive beings in medieval institutions with godlike technology in the palm of our hands. How the fuck do you think that ends? You think that ends in happily ever after or deluded? Yeah. Fuck. Do, do, do most people that come in, that comes, is there cheating involved in most of your divorces? Yes. Yes. But most of the time when people ask me that question, Allie, they're asking me, is cheating the reason people get divorced? And I don't buy that for a second. I, the cheating, in my view, yeah. from where I'm sitting, is a symptom of the illness. It is not the root cause. It is a side effect of the cancer. It is not the cancer itself. So the cheating comes... The cheating comes after they've already started dying. Or the cheating is a function of the fact that we want connection. Right. We want love. We want sex. We want to feel handsome or beautiful. We want to feel desirable. We want to feel, we want to be craved and we want to crave, right? Yeah. Like that's what we want. Like it's not, I don't even know that it's the sex. Like I, I, honestly, I don't even always know that it's the sex. Like when you think back on the best sex you've ever had in your life, you don't think about the orgasm. You, you, at least no, I don't. No, no, I, think I do about, not. Like the way their body looked in the moonlight or when they got up and got me a glass of water, you know, like, or, 
or I think about some moment of how their hair fell and like touched my chest. Like I think of some little moment. Mm. And so a lot of that had to do with how I felt and how desired I was and how desirous I was of them. Like, and I, I think affairs are a lot about that. It's about just being seen, being craved, being, and craving yourself, like craving this person and not, you know, it's hunger. And, and I get that, but I think that that is a function. You stop having that with your partner kind of slowly, you know, like, yeah. like we, we feel the desire all at once. We see somebody and we go, Oh, look at that. You know, or maybe, maybe initially we don't. And then it builds. Right. But it dissipates slowly. Right. You know, there comes a time where like, I mean, you know, every relationship you ever have, like there's a period of time where you make out, you know, like you make out, like you just kiss this person fucking ever. Like you kiss them until your mouth hurts, you know? And, and then there comes a time where it's like, you hardly ever kiss them. You know, you kiss like every once in a while, but you don't make out. When's the last time you made out on the couch, you know? And why was that not fun anymore? Like, I don't think so. I think just other things get in the way and then it just doesn't happen. And, and so then there's some part of you that still remembers how fun that was, you know, and like the mystery of it and the scent of it and the feeling of it. So I get it. Isn't that but it's just- about disconnection. disconnection and also like isn't it just we get used to another human's chemical like that the chemical no you don't think so i mean esther i don't know you know i think you're no you look you're right you're right yeah but it doesn't make sense to me because again not to keep going back to animals but like you know my dog's 13 i have not fucking once in 13 years looked at that dog and gone same old dog. Like, oh my God. Like, God, I want to get one of those puppies. Like they're so energetic <laughs> and fun. And like they run around, they can play ball. This one, the his back hurts and his knees a little wonky. And like, he's kind of boring. And like, you know, like, dude, it's the opposite. I'm, I'm like, oh, my little guy. Like I, the smell of him, like, he's like my little guy. He's been with me forever. You know, like, I like, oh my fucking keep your puppy. I'll take my old dog with the wonky knee. Like, and, and, and I love that. And I, I have to tell you, like, I don't think love is like this thing that just like gets old and tired. Like I do, you don't have things in your life, totemistic little things, pair of jeans, t-shirt, uh, a pair, I got a pair of pajama pants I bought 15 years ago. I still fucking wear these things. Like, and they're the nice, they, they, I bought them at the Vermont flannel company. When my, my sister lives in Vermont, I'll never get rid of them. They got holes in them. They're so fucking comfortable. Like, I just love them, you know? And I'm also just like symbolically, like they're my, that's my pajamas. Like, I love them, you know? Like, I don't know. Why does love have to be different than that? Like, that's weird to me. I Fuck, I don't know. It's almost like maybe then instead of craving someone new, it's missing the version of yourself that was able to get that person the first time. Like, it's like revisiting. Oof. Like, it's opening yeah. a window into like, oh God, remember yeah. that type you just of said me? a mouthful. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you know what? It reminds me of Drake. I, I, I saw an interview with Drake where um, someone was saying how like his new music, they don't like it as much as like his early stuff, you know, like, you know, zero to a hundred or any of his like started from the bottom, like all those, like the classics, you know? Yeah. And he said, rather than getting like threatened by it, he said, you know, is it that you like that music better or is it that you like 
who you were when you were listening to that music better. Right. Like, do you like how that music makes you feel and the you that it makes you remember? And I remember hearing that everyone thinking, yeah, he's completely right. Because like it's trans, music, the thing about music is it's transportive. Like I hear certain songs and it just takes me right back to, to where I was the first time I heard it, you know? And I think you're absolutely right. I think that we, we remember who we were and how this, I think more than that even, it's, it's how this person made us feel. Like when somebody loved me, how I felt, how I saw myself, because how you, when you look at yourself in the mirror through the eyes of someone who is just enamored with you, Mm. like you feel so much better. You feel beautiful. You feel sexy. You feel all those things. So really what you're saying is like, I miss when you had that hunger for me and the way that it made me see myself and feel about myself. And I get that. That's really human, you know? I wonder if then one of the best things you can do to stay in healthy partnership is to continue to show up for yourself. I think that's absolutely true. I think that's absolutely true. And I also think showing up for your partner. I know it's very out of vogue to be anything but tremendously self-actualized and to consider yourself in any way responsible for the happiness of another person. Mm -hmm. I know that's very unfashionable. My therapist would be very upset at me. But I think the radical notion now is that there is something transformative about the act of loving another person, not just loving yourself. Like, I think there was a time in our culture where we just told everybody, your job is to love all these other people. Don't worry about yourself. Don't be selfish. And then we over, like, we treated dandruff with decapitation. We told everybody, no, no, no. You're the most, you're the sun around which the whole universe, you know, spins Mm -hmm. and your, your love, self-love is the only important love. It's the greatest love of all learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. That's the only love that really matters. And, you know, there's something to saying that you can't truly love someone unless you love yourself and that you can't truly access the best parts of yourself. If you don't love yourself to offer them to another person in relationship. But I also think there is something really beautiful about loving someone else because it also inspires in that person the desire to love you that same way if it's the right person. I'm not talking about a sycophantic, abusive, I mean, I've spent eight hours taking testimony on a domestic violence case today, so I'm I'm a little leaning in the direction of not having people be taken advantage of. But there is something really lovely about extending kindness to other people. Like I, I try to do that in my day-to-day life. I try to be kind to people, you know, regardless. Like I was on the subway today and person got on and I got up and I said, would you like to sit? And they sat down. And like, I like to believe that maybe I made their day like this much little bit better. And maybe they'll go home and they'll be in this much little bit better of a mood and they'll be this much little bit nicer to their partner. And then like, there could be this lovely ripple effect because fucking A is the opposite go. Like somebody cuts me off in traffic. Now I'm in a bad mood. Then I get home and I say something obnoxious. And then now she's in a bad mood. And then she says like, and so I know that downward spiral works, right. but that upward spiral works too. So I don't know. There's a part of me that just goes like, why don't you just try to just constantly cheer for your partner? Cause it feels to me like the whole world is just beating the shit out of all of us all day and just telling us how we suck. And, and having like one other person 
who says, you know what? You're great. I love you. Like, you're just, you're great. You're my person. Like, mm. you're, you know what? You're not perfect, but you're perfect to me. Yeah. Like, that, that's a superpower. Like, the gift of that, to be given the gift of that is so lovely. Right. You know, everyone talks about red flags now. That's mm. like, when we're talking about dating in your 20s and your 30s, that's a red flag. That's, is there something that you see, I mean, you have two sons also. The early yeah. on in relationships or whatever it is that people are overlooking something that you see as kind of like a very bright, either either red flag or green flag. That's a great question. Um, yeah, sure. I think so. I think anyone who doesn't have an emotional vocabulary is a tremendous red flag. Like I think that it's one of my criticisms of particularly heterosexual males is that we're not taught to have an emotional vocabulary. We're actually now with like this move of stoicism and like, you know, sit in the sauna and then jump in the cold plunge and don't feel pain. And sort of like, we're really pushing this idea of like, don't feel anything. And that's like the highest thing you should be aspiring to is not to feel anything. I, I think having an emo like having a partner who does not have an emotional vocabulary, who can't express their feelings or interpret your feelings or mirror your, like talk to you about what you're feeling. I think that's a huge red flag. I think jealousy is a huge red flag. I, I, and that's a personal belief, but I, I think that jealousy is very much born of insecurity and very much born of scars, you know, having been scarred by past relationships. Um, and I, I think that, you know, um, when you combine those two things, a, a penchant towards jealousy and a partner who does not have an emotional vocabulary, that is a perfect storm of misery mm. because I don't think it takes much to make your partner feel loved. I really don't. I think a few kind words a day is really all it takes to make someone feel loved. You know, it's not much. Like, it's really not much. Isn't that like, insane? It's so insane. Like, like, really, what does it take to make you just happy? Like, you know, if someone a got me a things. coffee. Yeah. Like, get, yeah. get someone a coffee, tell them they look pretty. Yeah. If at the start of this conversation, this is the first time we're meeting. If at the start of this conversation, I said, you know, Allie, before we start, <laughs> I have to tell you, yeah, I have watched some of your stand up. I have listened to some. You are so funny. Like you have made me laugh so hard. My stomach hurt. And it's so cool that I'm getting to talk to you. you Men, are we off to a good start? I like, wish you would have done that, James. This so, hour would have should, been so know, much more I enjoyable. I should have, I should, I know, I really, bummed. I see heterosexual men, we fuck it all up. No, I, I, I really, but it's, but that's the truth. So why didn't I lead with that? You know, why, know. Did, why don't we lead? What does it cost? Right. To say to someone like, man, you're so like, God, look at you. Like, look at you. Like, you're just so beautiful. Like, man, just look at it. You makes me happy. You know, like, what does it cost to do that? What is like, I, I remember I talked about it. I'm, I'm Lex Friedman. We were talking about the movie, True Romance with uh, Patricia Arquette and, and uh, Christian Slater. And there's a scene where she just, they're, they're like madly in love and she hands him a note and he opens it and it just says, you're so cool. <laughs> and I just thought like, at, like it, what a cool thing. Like to have someone look at you and just go, you're so cool. You know, like you're just so great. Like, and I just don't think that costs much, but I don't know why we forget to just say it. Like why? Like why do we, it's so easy and we want to be happy. Like, I really think we all want to be happy. So if we want to be happy, 
why are we so shitty at this? If it's, the answer is so easy and we all want the same thing, which is to be happy, why do we suck at this thing so bad? I have no idea. It is heartbreaking because we fall asleep on the person that we say is everything. We commit to the person, the one person, and that's the one person we just fall yeah. asleep on. That kills me. Yeah. I mean, just stay yeah. what it's just stay awake, you guys. What is the what's like been your biggest kind of piece of wisdom takeaway about kind of relationship from all of this work? Well, I, I, mine has always been really a, a piggyback on what I just said, which is just do the small shit. Yeah. Cause none of it's small. Mm-mm. The The best piece of advice I've ever given to my friends in relationships is I've said to them, and I've had a lot of feedback on this cause I've had like four years, you know, I've been a divorce lawyer, 23 years. I've been a relationship expert for four so for four years, I've been getting feedback on the relationship expert. Okay. I do the air quotes because it's like, dude, I'm a divorce lawyer. Like, I'm just pointing out all the shit people do wrong. Yeah. And, and hopefully you can reverse engineer it. But the best piece of advice I gave anybody, as I said, leave notes. Leave notes. If you're living with someone or dating someone, leave them a note in the morning. Leave them notes that just say, it was so cool hanging out with you last night. I'm so like, it was so fun. You're so pretty or you're so handsome. I'm so like, you know, uh, I can't wait to see you again. Just leave them a note. Just do this little tiny gesture. And, and I tell you, I've, I've done it. I've told a couple of people it and I've had them say to me like, holy shit, man. Like I did that. And it was like transformative. Wow. Because it creates that spiral, that spiral of like, you know, of just like genuine small kindness mm. and small recognition and seeing this person and like just treating them with just this little extra bit of man, you're awesome. And I think that that would be, I think the biggest piece of advice I would give to anybody. It's just those, those little connections are everything. And the demise of relationships is all those little disconnections. Because I, I think people fall out of love the way they go bankrupt very slowly. And then all at once. Like it's a little tiny, 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 and then right off the fucking cliff. Mm. And so I think you have to maintain it with these little things, these little things. And it just, it'll keep you on that even place. I also think too, it's easier to stay in love than to fall out of love and get back into love. I think that if you're, if you're not in a relationship or if you're in a relationship and you're still in the honeymoon phase, that's the time that you should be doing the work that you should be really putting the time in to keep it in a good place. Everybody knows it's easier to maintain your weight than to gain a bunch of weight and lose the weight. It's a whole lot easier to just maintain it. So it's the same thing. I think if you take the time to keep it good, it's a lot easier than to let it turn to shit and then try to figure out a way out of that valley. Right. That makes sense. Um, I could I could keep talking to you for, for 100 hours. I You've been in court all day. I don't know how you're still talking. Um, you know, it's like I get paid to talk so I could just go all day. I like want to get married and divorced just so I can work with you. <laughs> you can work with me anyway. I can do the prenup. And, you know, listen, it is. It, I really believe <laughs> I believe getting married is a really cool thing to do. I yeah. just, you know, I I think this generation, like the the younger I see my son's generations and like. A lot of them are marriage skeptics now. I think they saw their parents fuck it up. I think they've seen friends fuck it up. And I think a lot of them are smart enough to go like, yeah, like, I don't, why is this good? Right. You know, like, why is this good? Yeah. And um, 
I don't know that we have a satisfactory answer because tradition, like if you think about it, tradition is just peer pressure exerted by dead people. Like that's really all tradition is, you know, it's just peer pressure, but from dead people. So I don't think your generation or a lot of like even the younger than this, like, I think they don't accept the like, well, we always did it that way. Yeah. As an excuse. Right. Because my generation barely accepted that. And I'm 51. And I tell you, like when my dad said to me, like, well, that's how you do it. Why? Because that's how it's done. I was like, yeah, that's not actually an answer. You know, so now like the generation that was like, why don't we just fucking create Uber? Huh? Like, well, everybody's got a fucking car. Why don't like we just jump in each other's car and go where we got to go? And we're like, yeah, I don't, why didn't we think of that? Like That actually makes like a huge amount of sense. Like, who didn't think of that? You know, and I think it's the same thing with marriage. Like people are like, yeah, why? Why would we do that? You yeah. know, same thing with like ethical non-monogamy. Like people are trying different shit. So great. I'm emboldened by that. Like, I think, yeah, try it. Try a bunch of stuff. Try a bunch of stuff. See what works. See what, not just what feels good. Because lots of things feel good that aren't sustainable. Like heroin feels good, I imagine. There's got to be something to it, but it's not sustainable. It's not good for you. But if it's good, if it feels good and it's sustainable, don't be afraid to reinvent. Mm. Do things differently. Thank you so much, James. It's great to see you, Allie. It's so and nice And I think to you're hilarious. You. Thank you. And I really enjoy you. Thank so. you so much. I'd love to have you see and that? all of your gay friends come to a comedy show. We would we would happily do it. We okay. are we are all we are Chelseaites and we are we'll even go to the east side if we have to. No, I'll uh, only we'll do something on the west side. Thank you for the time. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Love to see you again. Have Take a care. great night. <laughs> 